Welcome to this episode of Clarity Generates Confidence. We're here in season five, and we're talking about shifting from defense to offense. And I'm really excited to have with me Jeremy Muchevsky. I hope I got that close. He gave me another pronunciation, which I'm not going to write now. And Jeremy, I know from Strategic Coach as well, but we have another connection. And before I get into that, he's the president and founder of Thunderstruck Sales and Marketing, especially looking at the ag industry and making sure it's for farmers, by farmers. And so he looks at that. But just before we start, we have another connection. I found I out that Eleonora who works for us and her husband, Paul, they were in Winkler, Manitoba, which happens to be where Thunderstruck is. And he was in the farm business as well, equipment business. And I didn't find out until after they moved to Germany that Paul had worked for you, Jeremy. So what a, what a real small connection, a small world we live in. Yeah. Paul came to me as a, as a younger guy, he hadn't really been in agriculture before. And he was very instrumental in the success that we had. I mean, that five years, I mean, I don't know how you felt about Eleonora, but I bawled when Paul left. He's he was a good friend and and just a loyal, hardworking guy. I I miss him. I I hope they move back here soon. Well, yeah, we hope so too. We were very fortunate. The fact that Christine, who works with me and has for about fifteen years, came to me before even the pandemic started and said, "You know, Eleonora is talking about going back to Germany." So Eleonora and Paul going back to Germany, and she said. What about having Eleonora work for us? She's our accounting manager. And I go, well, during the pandemic, she lived 10 minutes away, but never came to the office. So what would it be to live six hours away? Anyway, so we kept working on that. And we said, well, how is this going to work? But Eleonora has continued to work with us now just about two years from Germany with the time zone and a young family. We didn't have to shed too many tears because we've still had her. But I could tell you if and when the time comes, we'll certainly shed a lot of tears. She's a great lady. And I know Paul's a, been a great guy, too, as well. You bet. That's cool. I wish I could have done that. Hard to I do trade tried. shows from Germany. Yeah. Hard to do <laughs> trade shows from Germany. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, the great thing about them is they really pushed and they both got their Canadian citizenship just before they left. So I think they want to keep a, a foot in both camps, but not having any family in the country made a difference. And so it's been great. They've settled in quickly. And so we, we certainly keep close tabs on them as well. So, but thank you. I appreciate that. So Jeremy, off to you. You're at your first trade show already very early on in the, in this new year. So this is your business, right? Getting to trade shows. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a big part of the business. I mean, we, when it, when I started this, I'd never been to a farm show before it's, it's turned into to be a really big thing because a lot of the products that we represent they're invented by farmers and so you know their farmer comes up with a problem you know a solution for a problem on their farm and then they they develop that and they can manufacture it but they still farm and so for our products we don't have the big name recognition and so people need you know we can get that information in front of them as to what the product does but they often need to see it and and sometimes touch it and understand exactly how it works. And so, yeah, you're 100% right. Farm shows are a huge part of, of what we do at Thunderstruck. And, and yeah, first one of the year, 2023, let's go. Well, you know, when you think about it, is that the being in the farming business is a very tactile business. It's very real. It's real equipment. And so I would think having to see things and touch them has got to be really, really important in that world. Absolutely. And, and the way that a lot of farmers, their, their minds work is once they can see it and or touch it, they can just grasp it immediately. Farmers are some of the most, you know, farmer ingenuity is what's built this whole business. And 
And yeah, you're hundred percent right, Gary, when they can see it and touch it, they can understand it. Well, I live just on the outskirts of Mennonite country here in Southern Ontario. And so we get a chance to see some of the ingenuity. You can see, see some of the old things as well, the horses and buggies that will run around on Sundays and be careful. And, and where the, the stores, the major stores have to have stalls that the horses could be tied up to in the region. One of the things we had, had to get used to moving here quite a number of years ago. But I always appreciated what they were able to do, be able, be able to innovate and make things. But I'm sure they don't have a real opportunity to turn those ideas into products that can be useful for more farmers than just themselves. So that's where I see you play a really big role in all of this development. Yeah, that's been, that's what we do. We found this just incredible niche. I mean, we've talked about this before. I didn't grow up on a farm. I had never even put foot on a farm before I started this. And but when I started Thunderstruck, I didn't know I was going to be in agriculture. I just wanted to help companies. And it just turns out that a lot of these farmer invented products need the exact kind of help that, that we can offer. And that's what's that's built our whole company. That's awesome. So how did you get it? I mean, did you, you started yourself and you built it up? So from a team, what twenty people now in the organization? How did that? How did that happen to you? I mean, that's awesome. But how did that happen? You know, I I left a company I'd been at for ten years, and and I had been there and had sold twenty million dollars and made seventy five k. And they told me that I said, well, put me on straight commission, like. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, no, no, we can't do that because you'll make more than your boss. And I was like, well, how much does he sell? And I probably was like, I'm not recommending anybody says that to their boss, but I ended up leaving and I had a, a company approach me and they wanted to hire me to, to sell for them. And I had had just some different people. I had a, a lady that had, you know, she was instrumental. I had coached her son in baseball. We were both American. And when you're Americans in Canada, you just, if you're in this foreign country, you bond and she actually taught marketing and she had said, Jeremy, you need to start your own thing. You need to start your own thing. Like you'd be really good at this. And a company came and said, Hey, we want to hire you to do sales. And she said, no, no, don't take it. Don't take it. Tell them that you'll take on their products and start your own thing. And so I started, I rented an office, like the story of Thunderstruck, Gary, there are so many people that have completely impacted my business. Like we are not, we're not who we are without like I can I can literally pick five people that have impacted me significantly and have built this. So I said to this company, I said, look, give me twenty five hundred dollars a month. Guarantee me that for six months and then it'll be straight commission after that. And you'll be my first product. And they said yes. And then a lady by the name of Adele Dick, who I also coached her grandson in baseball, she had office space. So she rented me an office for four hundred dollars a month. And I had one, I hired one guy, a buddy that I played baseball with that was working on a line and he said he wanted to do something different and I really liked him. So I hired him and she lent me, literally, she gave me two desks to use, borrowed me two phones, let me use her long distance and gave me access to her copier. And that's how I started a little like a hundred square foot office and two people, two borrowed desks, two phones and a borrowed copier. And a dream and a passion. Just uh, uh, refuse to lose. I'm not yeah, going to give up. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's just a great story of entrepreneurship because everything said you should have gone and take the job and you, you proved you could do it. But after I agree with you because I was offered a job to be the president of a company when I went to start my own, I couldn't do it. I couldn't take it. And I had to rent space like that, find office, you know, all that sort of stuff, hired people without having any business to go to. And 
you know, crazy, crazy things that we do. So I'd say you're doing okay, Gary. I'd say you're doing okay. <laughs> well, you know, you're, we're not too dissimilar when I, when I came after five years of been the business and a couple of my customers left and went around me and went to the, to the suppliers and directly, and I was selling in us dollars and we're in Canada and the us dollar exchange rate went the wrong way. And back around 2004, 2005, and things were going underwater. And I said, you know what? I, there is no option. Failure is just not an option. <laughs> so I had to dig back in and say, okay, now we've got to make it work. So you're right. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable enough at this point, but still driving along. So. Yeah, you can never, I don't think you ever quit driving. I think that one of the things you taught me was really focusing on the gain and not on the gap as to where we want to go. But I completely, completely agree with you. I, I was talking to a young entrepreneur who's thinking about really going out on their own. They want to really make a big splash. I said, you need to take the parachute off and just jump off the dang cliff. You can't, if you're not going to, like, you have to know that you're going to be okay. And you have to know that you're going to do whatever it takes to be okay. And if you know that and you're willing to do that, then you will be okay. But can't be afraid. This is no. not, this is not for the faint hearted. I mean, we had, we've talked about that. This is, you got to be ready to do whatever it takes. You do. And, you know, I've always, I've always loved the sort of singing reality TV shows. And I know this seems to be really a bit off topic, but I always say they always go when they do in their first auditions, you know, what, what's your plan B? Whenever they say they have a plan B, they said, go take plan B then. Yeah. <laughs> so which because, is your favorite, which is your favorite show? Because I'm a huge voice guy where they don't yeah, even voice, see the people. Yeah. Voice is the one I like too. Although I, I wasn't too fond of Gwen Stefani this year and Blake together. So I'll let them go and I'll watch the last season. But you know what? I, the voice is one I'd like for that simple reason is that they have to pick things blind and, and go make it work. And it is about the coaching that's there. I always draw parallels between sports and and entertainment to somewhat to business, more on the sports side of things and how coaches are. And you just really improved how important connections are and personal connections that had nothing to do with business that, that were willing to help you out. And I think that's incredible that from the baseball, everything really could, could spin right from that point. Well, baseball, the, I had a guy who was a referee, refed me playing hockey, and then I ended up refing. His name was Scott Beatty, and he, you know, he's an accountant. I didn't know anything about anything gary and he's like here's how you need to set your business up he didn't need to do that right that's that that's guy number three guy number four in my life is a guy that was the previous client of mine that i that when i was with that other company and he was just a good friend and when i started he gave me business to keep me alive because he believed in me and then you're number five gary and i haven't told you that but what i've Thank learned you. in the last two years from you and the and the coaching has completely transformed my business awesome well thank you very much i do appreciate that and in fact that's the reason why i still coach 27 years into it is is that people like you who say something it's because of the passion and and i want to come back to that point because in your in your linkedin you say you have a passion for selling and service what do you mean? What do you mean by that? How do you how do you demonstrate that, Jeremy? Well, I have a, I, I guess when I say I have a passion for for selling is I love selling. I love and when I say selling, it's solving problems because really it's not selling. It's it's I have a passion for finding out what the problem is. So I'm out here talking just right before this, and, and you know, guy guy has a problem. Well, it's not selling it to it. I'm solving that problem. That's what I consider selling. And then service is. In my mind, the customer is always right. Even if he's wrong, he's right. 
And I never want a customer to leave an experience with any of my sales team or with me thinking, man, those guys didn't take care of me. And I think that truly, if you can, if you can focus on, on solving problems instead of the sale, but actually solving the problem. And then if you can offer that service where no matter what happens, you're going to take care of that customer, you'll have a customer for life. So that's what I mean by that. Well, and I'm glad, I'm really glad you put it that way because that's exactly how I believe it. You're far better at customer service than I am, but I'm always one to solve a problem. And I really think that selling, quote, selling got a bad name because we're not, you don't, people buy for their reasons. They They don't buy for our reason or your reason. They buy for theirs. So how do we help them see? And if it doesn't work for them, I'm sure you just say, hey, this doesn't work. What, can I direct you somewhere else? But I literally just did that, Gary. I was talking to a guy and he's really interested in one of our products. He's like, well, what about this? I was like, I can't help you. But here's three guys that are at this show that can help you. And all three of those guys sell competition to what I just quoted him on. But what he, well, the other thing he needs is over there. And so I sent them to those booths. Nope. Well, and I, I just want to make a comment for those listening. At the time of this recording, Jeremy's taking time out of his first trade show of the year and to be with us. And he didn't think the trade show, he didn't, as we got started, he didn't think the trade show was going to be that busy. So a couple hours into it, first day, half day, I'll go out. And he said, oh, he's already signed a bunch of business, maybe paid for your, probably paid for your booth already. And before you Not got Not quite, on, but, we, but we might by the end of the day, if this show keeps up, we might by the end of the day, Gary. Well, that's great. So I do appreciate you taking the time out of what is one of your main connection sources for people. And the other thing that you thought about is said, and I'd also appreciate the key to success is quality products and great customer service. And so you marry those two together with your solving somebody's problem. Is that how you put those pieces together for people? That's right. And you can't solve somebody's problem by giving them crap, right? So to me, and, and there's, it's really one of the things that is a pillar for, for what we are at Thunderstruck is I want something that is innovative and I want something that is quality. And then I want to know the people that are behind the product are quality people. And if those three things are, then I'll consider selling it. But if any one of those things are not checked off, I won't sell it because I'm not interested in making jerks money. Right. And we're on a podcast. So I'm saying jerks, but uh, instead of something else, but I'm not interested in making those kind of bad people money. They have to be good people, but they have to have quality because if you sell something, somebody is quality. If you sell somebody something that is quality, they'll tell everybody about it. But if you sell something that is crap, they're going to tell even more people about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, especially in today's day and age. And, and it's so easy to send that information out there. You have to be so careful about, about what you do out there. Yeah. That's really, really important to do that. So we, this season of the podcast is at season five. So we're in the 75 to 100 range that we'll do this year. We talked about shifting from defense to offense. Does, now, again, you, you've played hockey. You've also been in baseball. But let's bring this into a business context. Did you find yourself on the defensive at all over the, over the last couple of years, you know, from 20, mid-2020 on through the end of 2022? Or did you find there was a need you were able to shift yourself through that period? So for me, it's a little bit different, Gary. And I saw this, that we were going to be talking about this. And I was like, I don't know that I've ever been on defense. I think that for 10 years, I've been on offense. But where I can relate to this is in March of 2020, when I was actually at a trade show, when they shut the world down, basically. I was in London. 
London, Ontario. I'm coming your way, actually. I'm going to be in March. I'm in London and Ottawa, so we might have to meet up for. Uh, uh, we're, we're less than an hour away, and you get to London. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I've got some time in between, so that might happen. Oh, but damn, uh, I, might, I might see you in person. What the heck? I know it'd be kind of <laughs> kind of cool. But when, like, at that point in 2019, 70 percent of our sales were generated at trade shows, and trade shows got shut down, and we were like, "What are we going to do?" Like. How, how are we going to survive like 70% of the revenue we generate and back to that very first lady. Remember I told you about that lady that convinced me to start Thunderstruck. She said, why don't you do like a Tupperware party for farmers? I'm like, what? She's like, she's like, <laughs> that's you cool. Don't have, you don't have to do trade shows, hold a whole bunch of events, hold your own trade shows and do something for the farmers so that they'll come. And, uh, so we did. We we created what was called the Thanks for Farming Tour, and we've actually held 14 events. We held 12 of them right in the middle of COVID with restrictions, with everything else. We held safe events, and we did it from the premise of saying thank you. So you're going to say, how do you say thank you? Well, free food for the farmers, free beer for the farmers. We brought in speakers that could educate the farmers. And then I got nine other companies. Those first nine shows, I had nine other companies that said, we want to join you. And so we had, uh, I mean, restrictions. We were Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta. All the provinces provinces had different restrictions. But we 100% just held events. And that's what, you know, you talk about shifting from, we were in neutral. I don't think we were in defense. We were in neutral saying, what are we going to do to just straight gas down? And I honestly... It was hard for me to think about shifting from offense to defense. Maybe it's just shifting gears and and really throttling up and, and going after it, right? When I said shifting from defense to, to offense, I always had my tongue in my cheek for you because I knew that would never be the case that you would have. <laughs> you're not a you're not a guy that I would associate with defense. But you know what? You know what? You know what? Deep- none of my, none of my hockey coaches associated me with defense <laughs> either, Gary. So that's perfectly fine. <laughs> But the one thing you didn't do is you never let your goal, you never let your backside be exposed though. Refuse to lose. Yeah. You're not going to let that happen and don't do anything that'll sink your business. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think that that's a part of a defense that I think some people, and I don't, cause I don't mean defense to be negative, but I also said, right. You know, you, you know, you, the thanks for farming tour was an incredible offense type of response to what you were forced into and what the farmers were forced into. Oh, and actually, it, it was defense and defense wins championships. We know that because I was defending our trade show sales, right? Our trade show revenue. I was I was defending that by going on the offense and creating something so that that would continue. Aha, I see what you did there, Gary. So it kind of was a defensive move. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaky, you do this to me all the time. You say things and then I got to I got to think about them to catch it. Well, you know, I've been I've been doing this for a long time, so maybe I hopefully I got a couple of things up my sleeve. Yeah, <laughs> apparently, apparently. No, but it's but it's been great, and so maybe let's let's talk a little bit about the agricultural business because you know for for most people they're not they don't get they don't get to touch it they don't get near it, but it's such a, it's at the core of everything we do, and I think it's you know certainly in Canada, the United States, just a huge huge asset for us to have the agribusiness that we do have in in this continent. Yeah. And I mean, farmers are incredible, Gary. I mean, it's like anything. There's there's probably guys out there that that aren't great, 
I haven't run into a lot of those. Honestly, I think that the percentage in agriculture is way lower because they actually care. And that was something growing up where I grew up, you know, I, you know, even when I moved to Canada and I drive by fields, I didn't think about where my food came from or even how hard the people worked to produce it. And now I'm in agriculture. And again, back to the tour, that's why we wanted to say thank you was these guys and gals that farm and ranch, nobody works harder than them. And you know, we're talking, you know, right now it's, it's, it's only minus 15 in Saskatchewan. It's balmy for this time of year, but there are guys and gals out there that are taking care of their cattle, right? There are, you know, it doesn't matter the temperature and that's what feeds us. And I mean, I know we've kind of talked a little bit about this before. I feel so blessed to be a part of this industry and it's incredible to watch. And you know, they're farmers are the they're the guys that are always stopping if you're on the side of the road to see if you need something. They're always willing to help, and truly, none of us eat without them. No, no. And you know, the thing is, what I think what you've done is you've you've been able to capture that spirit, that helping spirit, that that willingness to help each other. Because you know, farmers are are tend to be a very independent but hardy lot but they need they need each other they need to they need to cooperate with each other which is great and i've i've been very fortunate to have lots of contact out in you know manitoba and alberta and saskatchewan and, and some of the spots like nebraska in the u.s as well and i just have like you tremendous amount of appreciation for that business that industry what they're going through and also what the impact of technology is going to be in their world and i was corrected by people from saskatchewan from Regina in the financial services side but certainly services into the business. I talked about, well, you know, about autonomously driven vehicles. He says, do you know what the most autonomous driven vehicles there are already? Those are on the farm. <laughs> those, those are the vehicles, not the ones on the road. And, and this is a few years ago. And I go, oh, well, I got told. <laughs> yeah, that's cert- I told. It's certainly, I mean, it's because of labor, right? Labor shortages. So technology is certainly, I think for a long time, it may be people didn't realize how much agriculture could use use that but they're i mean i'm at this show they have a whole hall that's just technology right it's new things that are coming and it's a huge part of it but to your other point you just said you you know you have contacts in manitoba saskatchewan alberta nebraska etc that is the beauty of agriculture it doesn't matter where farmers are i've got customers from around the world they're all the same they all care and they all work their tails off so yeah super cool they're and, and and this may, I don't want to sound cliche, hopefully, they're grounded to the earth. And there's something that's very fundamental about that. Maybe that you're living in the city or living in other places you don't quite see. Like we said, we drive by the fields and don't think about it. I'm very fortunate to to live just outside of Toronto, but now our Western Waterloo. And I leave the city and I'm in farm country, you know, all the farms, yeah. everything else. And I get to drive between there and, and Collingwood and other places. And I grew up, I was born in New York. I grew up in Toronto, you know, I mean, so these are, I, this is the smallest place I've lived and it's half a million people, you know, but it's right. just to be there and see that I, I always have an appreciation for what, what goes on out there. So and I, I don't, I don't think a lot of people know Gary that farmers are the biggest gamblers in the world. They plant their seed and they don't know that rain's going to come or sun's going to come. They hope for it and they pray for it, but nobody gambles like a farmer does and they put it all on the line every year. But that's why they've been so entrepreneurial as well. That's why they're so inventive and creative. And I just love the fact that you've been able to tap into that and give them an outlet that they wouldn't see because you bring, you know, I've always felt that there's a real value in being at the interface 
and and you're at the interface of what happens at the farm and how to get things to other farmers and the technology. And there's always a value being at the interface. That's funny, Gary. Until right there when you said that, that's why they're so innovative. It is that because everything's on the line every time. And for us in business, when everything's on the line, like it was for me anyways, with COVID hitting and trade shows, so we're innovative. That is a very, very good point that I had never thought of before. Again, that's twice. How long have we been on this? Like 20 minutes and <laughs> twice you give me something to think about. So, Jeremy, there's lots that we could talk about and I had other things on here, but I, I'm just going to say, what do you see coming ahead for the agribusiness here in Canada and the U.S.? I'm going to right back into your field and one last question and we'll wrap it up for the day. Well, I hope I see a lot of rain. Because uh, we we need that in North America everywhere, but it was it's funny you say that because I actually presented to a group this morning of farmers. I was part of part of something really cool, but there was another presenter there, and he kind of went around the world and talked about some of the things that are happening that are going to affect us in North America for agriculture. And one of the things is China and how COVID is is running rampant through through China right now. He said in some instances they're saying 90, 90% positivity rate. And so how that's going to affect their consumption, what's happening in South America with the weather right now. And then of course the Russia, Ukraine war. So he was saying, oh, and the big thing he said was the fact that with renewable energy and people starting to use canola oil and oil seeds to create fuel, he felt very, very strong. And, and I guess we're seeing it at the shows too. We saw it at the end of the year. The farmers are excited. And I think that I, I hope, I mean, every year I hope for farmers, but it looks like 2023, if we can get moisture is, is really ramping up to be a great year for our farmers again, both in Canada and the United States. And that would be, I mean, nobody deserves it more. No, nobody deserves it more. And I know I'm, I wish the same as you because we sell products that end up going into people like John Deere and Caterpillar into the ag business. So I'll yeah. be very delighted if that happens, but that's, I don't want to be selfish about it, but I just think farmers are such a cornerstone. And I'm, I'm really delighted that you've been, you're serving them and helping them get better and come into the 21st century. So Jeremy, last, last thoughts, anything, anything else you'd like to say to our audience before we wrap up here today? I would say that you know, the same thing I was saying before, if you believe in yourself, right, bet on yourself, believe in yourself and go get it. Anything's possible. Same thing I, as I, I'm telling my kids right now, like anything you want, you want to be an astronaut, you can be an astronaut. I mean, I don't want to go to the moon. I never, never, ever, ever, but you can be anything you want if you truly believe in it and are willing to sacrifice anything for it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and Jeremy, thank you so much for taking time out of your trade show. I know it's a lot of your business comes from that, but I've, I've delighted whenever we got together in the workshops and thank you for being on, on the podcast. This has been very enlightening, exciting. So I really appreciate your time. Oh, Gary, I, I told you before we started, I'm honored that you would even consider me. I have learned so much from you in the last two years and what you've taught me and impacted my business. It was the least I could do. I can't even believe you asked me. So I'm so happy to be here. Well, you know, when people make the kind of progress that you make, and I'm, I'm delighted that we get a chance to share the story. And hopefully this is something you can share even in your audience as well. But I certainly appreciate the time with you today. So for everybody, and until next time, please stay safe and stay healthy. And we'll see you then. 